Like That. We are on episode 10 of It's Just Like That After 30. My name is Kara. I also have another podcast called After 30 with Kara Erigel. If you guys want to listen to podcasts that talk about love, sex, relationships, and everything about life after 30, please go check that out and head on over there. But for this one, for 10 episodes now, we've been talking about one of my favorite shows that came years after Sex in the City called And Just Like That that comes out on HBO Go every Thursday. So... For this one, we'll just go straight into it. Three things that I want to talk about on this episode of And Just Like That. Expectations, realities, and peace. Expectations are usually what gets us in trouble in life because our expectations are often unrealistic, based on the wrong things, and selfish for the most part. If we live our lives based on clear, set expectations, then we are set for a life full of disappointments. Realities. Now, these we have to face and deal with. Realities are mostly the opposite of our expectations, and if we are not prepared to accept them, moving on with our lives will be very difficult. The dream is to achieve inner peace, and we can only really ever achieve that if we come from no expectations, we accept the realities, and we are able to let go with love. First, Let's talk about expectations. So I'm only going to be talking about four characters um, that really popped out for me on this episode. Let's start with Charlotte. So Charlotte is showing the Sam Smith and his friend Jeffrey some paintings in the gallery that she's currently working at. And then the middle of all of this, Rock, her daughter, calls Charlotte because she needs something that she left at home. She needs it for school. She needs her notebook. And Charlotte's like, oh, but I'm in the middle of selling a painting to Sam Smith. You know, this is a big deal. And Rock says, this is a big deal, too. I need my notebook for sixth period. And it's already fourth period and la da da. So Charlotte hangs up and she calls Harry, her husband, who's also at work. And she says, I need you to do this. Rock needs her notebook. I need you to go get it for her. And Harry says something like, but you're the... It was like he was about to say, but you're the mom. You're supposed to... You know, all this expectation of what a mother should be doing. And Charlotte's like, we've already talked about this. I've, I've, I've done so many running from home to the school. They left, you know, fixing their lunches and everything. It's your turn. You have to do this. What? What were you about to say? I'm supposed to what? Just be because I'm what? <laughs> so then they're at and see Harry. So Harry's like, okay, okay. I, I gotta, I gotta go because I, I need to go bring a rock or notebook. So that's the first time uh, on this episode that Charlotte was somewhat interrupted by, you know, one of her family members. The next one is she's at brunch with her friends, Carrie and everybody else. And Lily calls Charlotte and for something else, like she's about to ask Charlotte for something. And Charlotte just gets really angry about it. Like she tells the entire table, can't they do things on their own? Like I'm having, I'm having brunch. I'm enjoying brunch with my ladies. Like it feels like they just can't move without, they can't function without me. That's her whole, whole issue in this entire episode is that she feels like, okay, she's finally, the previous episode, she wasn't really accepting it just yet that she is about to go back to work, to go back to being a gallerina. And she was the one who wasn't ready in the beginning. And her family seemed like they had it all together. They were like, go mom. Go have fun. Go to work. We don't need you here. But for this episode, somehow, it feels like the entire family's falling apart. 
And they just keep calling Charlotte left and right, asking for help, but knowing full well that she's at work. And so, uh, so Charlotte is at work. So she does sell the painting to the Sam Smith, which is a big deal. So she's on her way home at the, it's already the end of the day from work and her colleagues stop her. She's about to leave and her colleagues are just like, wait, wait, wait. It's tradition that when somebody sells a painting over a hundred thousand dollars, then we should go out for drinks. We should celebrate. And she says no at first. Um, you know, it's already 6.30, I have to get home, you know, my family's waiting for me. And her colleagues were just like really insisting and they were saying, no, but it's tradition. And Charlotte says, well, all right, if it's tradition, okay, let's go. So they do go out. Charlotte goes out with her friends. They're celebrating the painting, the expensive painting that she just sold to Sam Smith. And she, in the middle of all of this, she's laughing. You see her having fun, being herself with her new friends. And Charlotte gets another text from her family. And she's like, ah, oh, there it is again. Why can't they function without me? And she just throws her phone in a pitcher of margaritas and they're just laughing, okay? So at the end of that, she comes home very drunk, opens the door to their apartment. You know, she's stumbling, fumbles with her keys and her family hears her coming in the house and Harry, Lily and Rock were just like, oh, she's finally home. Mom, where have you been? Like, we've been so worried about you. And then Lily says something like, mom, are you drunk? You're gross. And that ticks Charlotte off. Like, finally, she says something to the family and she says, hey, I was a person before you. Am I doing a good Charlotte impression right now? She goes, hey, I was a person before you, before all of you, she points to her husband and, you know, both her kids. And I am more than just your wife and your moms. You need to get that and get it together. Ah, love that. Go, Charlotte. And then she slams the door, comes in the room. And then her dog, the cute bulldog, you know, kind of knocks, scratches the door. She goes, hi. And she lets the dog in. What I'm really getting from this entire episode of what Charlotte's really going through is that our mothers are human. Uh, yes, they are superhuman. They're super women, definitely, for everything that they, they do for us and everything that they do for themselves. If you haven't seen Barbie yet, watch Barbie. But, you know, they're human too. And they have lives and joys and friends and things to do outside of the family and outside of their responsibilities as our mothers. That needs to be properly communicated instead of, you know, expectations just being thrown about, not being met. And that's how fights start. That's how fights happen in families, unrealistic expectations. I had uh, such and still do have some unrealistic expectations from my mother. I'm very grateful that we are now able to talk about it. I'm an adult. Uh, she's also going through her self-healing journey. And, you know, we're able to talk about these unmet expectations and unrealistic expectations as well. And you just have to understand that, yes, our mothers are our mothers. Well, yes, there are some things that are expected of the role, we have to remind ourselves that we are all human. We have needs. We have, we make mistakes. We learn from them and then we move on. You can't have, I don't want to say you can't have, but you can't have. No, but it's difficult. It's life is going to be very difficult for us 
I'm speaking from experience. I'm not saying hey, you should do this. You should not do that because I have a lot of very unrealistic expectations in my life too, in my work, in relationships with my family, only because, you know, what society tells us what the roles are supposed to be like. A mother is supposed to be able to do this and that and this and that and also be this and that. And, you know, when you're 30, when you're 35, you're supposed to be this and that and this and that. And all these supposed to be all these expectations that we set for ourselves and that society sets for us makes life very difficult to live genuinely and authentically. And we just have to be able to communicate that. Knowing that now, we have to be able to communicate it properly with the people who are important to us because that's the only way our relationships are going to work. Think of most of the hard arguments you've had in your adult life or even when you were younger, your arguments with your family, your parents, your friends. If you really think about it hard, you'll realize that these fights happen because you had unmet expectations. Sometimes it is the shortcoming of the person you are expecting these things from, yes, and they will hopefully admit it. But most times it's because we've blown it up so big in our heads and our expectations are this big. And that, of course, when they're not met because we're only human, we make mistakes, then we get really, really, really ridiculously disappointed. And that's just a reality of life. That being said, Second, let's talk about realities. I want to talk about Aiden and Carrie this time. So Carrie and Aiden are having a conversation in bed. It's their last night in the hotel because Carrie is uh, getting the big house that she was looking at in the previous episode. And Aiden says something that, I mean, they do what they're doing. <laughs> they're not having sex, okay? But what they're doing in bed, how they're talking to each other in bed, reminded me of a very powerful type of communication that I learned fairly recently in our marriage that is very important for couples to do, is to be able to interact and, and communicate with each other that way. So Aiden tells Carrie, you remember when you told Che that you made a mistake, you know, in the previous episode? And it got me thinking, I also made some mistakes. And at this part, Aiden was being very vulnerable. He was opening up to Carrie. He was telling her that he's realizing that he's also made some mistakes. It's not all Carrie's fault. You know, he says, I also had these expectations of you. I uh, just, I had these clear set expectations of what I wanted. Like he wanted marriage. He wanted a clear set life. He wanted her to sign the lease when he wanted to get the apartment next to hers and just all of these expectations of a life, the idea of the life he had in his head were also the mistakes that he made in that relationship of theirs. And as he admits this, Carrie puts her leg on Aiden. Like she doesn't really say anything, but she just kind of like hugs his, the lower part of his body with her leg while they're lying, uh, laying in bed. And I really love that because this is such a powerful move in a difficult and honest conversation, uh, in difficult and honest conversations in relationships, that's a power move. Holding, holding the other person's hand, hugging them if that's even possible or if it's needed in the con in that point in the conversation, or just you know maybe tilting your head a little bit closer to the person, just letting them know that. It's like a physicalization of saying 
I'm with you on this. Like, go ahead. It's safe to open up. Like, you're creating a safe, comfortable space for the person to be vulnerable and for the person to be completely honest with you. Somewhere after this conversation, Kathy, Aiden's ex-wife, calls him. He gets this call. And uh, and Carrie, of course, after the conversation, Carrie asks, oh, what happened? What's wrong? And, and Aiden's like, oh, um, Wyatt, his son, got into an accident. He drove my truck into a tree and he's in the ER and he broke a collarbone or something. It didn't sound so serious when Kathy called him. So he's just like, okay, I'm going to hop on the next uh, flight and I'll be there, of course. And so he goes on this flight and... And the next thing you know, Aiden calls Carrie and he is at the hospital. He's in the car in the, I'm assuming the garage of the parking garage of the hospital that he's at. And he tells Carrie that his son Wyatt broke his legs in two different places, not just his collarbone. And apparently what happened was he had a fight. He had a big fight with his mom. And so he hitched a ride to go to his dad's farmhouse, to Aiden's farmhouse and he had a few beers and he wanted to drive back to his mom. So he drove Aiden's truck and he drove it into a tree and he badly injured himself. And you see how devastated Aiden really is, of course, seeing this and knowing about this. And he feels so guilty and you can't really blame him for feeling that. And, and he starts crying and he tells Carrie he should have been there. He should have been there. He should have been there for him. And, you know, this is something that he kept repeating and Carrie tries to comfort him. And the episode ends with, and just like that, for the first time, I was worried. And a hard reality just hits them there in that moment. And that's the fact that Carrie is not just getting into a relationship with Aiden anymore, which is something that Kathy says in the previous episode as well. It's Aiden and his ex-wife. It's Aiden and his kids. It's Aiden and his family that she's getting into a relationship with. And it's also Aiden regretting not being there for his son. He was miles away and he was with Carrie. And But that's not Carrie's fault at all. You know, uh, these things just happen but they have to face their realities now at this point in their relationship and figure out how they're going to deal with the situation the question now really is are they both willing to make the necessary sacrifices to keep their relationship now i mentioned I'm starting to get a little sniffly there's a bug going around okay it's the weather but uh i want to share a little something, you know, a little experience I have with this as well, because I do come from a, a big family, a big, in a, a big family in a sense that I have three moms and two dads and five siblings and, but I'm the only child. Long story. Maybe we'll talk about it on the other podcast, but I'm one of the lucky ones. We, me and my siblings are one of the lucky ones because we were brought up in such a way that everybody just got along you know, we would spend Christmases together. We on our birthdays, everybody would be there, all the siblings and sometimes even the moms and the dads who would be there at the celebrations. It was just we were lucky to have been brought up that way. And that was a realization or something, a reality that both my I had two stepmoms after my mom was with my dad. He married my first stepmom and then married my second stepmom. We're all close. Anyway, 
this was a reality that they both had to face and accept and live with and love, which they did. And I just want to say thank you to them as well. You know, having to, I mean, coming into a relationship with my father who already had existing kids before theirs or already had a family before their current family. And it's just ideally, again, I'm thankful for the kind of childhood that we, me and my siblings had, but this doesn't happen for everybody. Most families, especially if they get married to someone who had a previous family before theirs, would ask the husband to step away from the family or to not see the family anymore. That happens more often than not. And my heart goes out to the children and, of course, the mothers or the fathers who experience this, who are experiencing this now. But that's the reality that I want to talk about. When you get into a relationship with someone who has a previous, who has had a previous relationship before yours, a wife, a husband or kids, you're getting into a, a relationship with their entire family, not just them. Because if you're in it for life, then you're going to be in it with their entire family as well. And that's just something you're going to have to live with and something you hopefully learn to love. If you can't, that's also fine. You know, that's, that's, that's completely up to you. But hopefully you learn to live with it. So that's the, I don't want to say predicament, but that is the situation, the reality that Aiden and Carrie are in now. They have to figure out how they're going to live their lives with that. Live their relationship, love their relationship, and at the same time, still prioritize the safety and the well-being and the happiness of his kids. Lastly, let's talk about letting go and achieving inner peace. So Anthony and Stanford, we haven't heard from Stanford since, what, last season, I think? And so I want to start with Anthony first. So Anthony is finally seeing this cute poet guy who he hired as his fake baker who eventually became his lover and is now his lover. This much younger, cute, hot, well-hung guy. <laughs> they just had sex, right? So it was the cute poet guy who was the bottom and Anthony was the top. Getting a little bit graphic here, okay? And after that, so they lay in bed, they cuddle, and then so cute, well-hung guy, cute poet guy, <laughs> says, uh, you know, it's my turn now to be on top. And Anthony's like, no, I've always been top. And he's like, but can't you, can't we just, you know? And Anthony stands up and walks away from this and says, you kids today and your versatility. Cute poet boyfriend says, but why would you be afraid of more love? Like, why wouldn't you want me to be top? Why wouldn't you want me to to?" get into it with you as well. That was essentially his question. Next scene is where Anthony comes over at Carrie's old apartment. She's packing up her things because she's about to move to the new house. And Carrie tells Anthony, okay, I called you here because Anthony, uh, because Stanford sent me a letter. Stanford writes this letter to Carrie asking her also to address Anthony for him. And Carrie reads the letter. And then she says, the apartment and all my belongings are now his because they used to be married, I think, Anthony and Stanford. The apartment and all my belongings are now his. I want no attachment. I have let go of all things that no longer serve me and I let it all go with love. 
So apparently Stanford is staying in Japan and he's decided to become a Shinto monk. And Anthony's reaction to this was, at first he makes fun of it, but after he hears that part of the letter where, where Carrie reads, you know, I have to let go of all things that no longer serve me and I let it all go with love. Anthony says, I am stunned. He has let it all go. And here I am sitting, not letting go of things that no longer serve me. Good for him. Good for him. So deciding to be a monk for Stanford is a little extreme for me, though. But wow, the great power that type of peace holds to be able to let things go, to let people go, let the past go with no expectations. To be able to let go with love is the dream. The only way to achieve true peace is to be able to let go with love. How powerful is that? To be able to let go and let go with love. No attachments, no expectations, and fully accepting realities just as they are. How about you? What unrealistic expectations have you had lately? And how did you deal with the realities? And are you able to let go of the things that no longer serve you? I ask myself these questions all the time too. But let me leave you with those very important self-realizing questions. And I'll see you guys in the next episode of It's Just Like That After 30.